Welcome everyone to the podcast. I'm G. Here with me is Peter and Justin. Gentlemen, we're back. We're still Holly and Jolly, right, Peter? Yes, no, maybe so. Always. Always. Always, always Holly and Jolly. And Jolly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Even here in the middle of July, the man is Holly and Jolly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got it. I mean, the, you know, this is an audio format, but he's he appears to be wearing some sort of coat with a fur collar. So yeah, L.A. boy dressing warmly. I appreciate it. <laughs> the the rest of the country is in some sort of deep freeze, but uh, Peter living large in uh, it's probably sixty eight degree weather. Well, you know, you always got to be ready for a last minute Santa visit. <laughs> seven seven inches of snow. So listen, last Sunday, a week from. A week ago today, I was walking around in a t-shirt and jeans. Like I went out to brunch. It was lovely. Love, um, love brunch. Underrated brunch. Yeah, brunch is amazing, right? Like it's the best meal of the day, but later. So you don't have to wake up. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, Alcohol before noon. Sure. Yeah. Well, in my case, it was afternoon, but it doesn't matter. Um, so I'm walking around in a t-shirt. I could have been in shorts, right? Like it was 65, 66, maybe 67 degrees. This is in the Washington DC area for those who are unfamiliar. And the next day I woke up to seven inches of snow. Yeah. The, the amount of people, um, in our, in our joint discord who were posting about the sheer volume of, of snow and cold weather, it's like everybody North of basically DC has been snowed has received a large amount of snow and a, and a very low temperatures. Well, in fairness, I mean, there was at least, at least two other people who were posting about the same conditions because they live like 20 minutes from me. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, meanwhile, Peter and I, you know, blessed to live in warm climates. Uh, let's see. What's the temperature right now? Oh, it's 80 degrees. P- Peter's blessed to live in a warm climate that doesn't get obscene in the summer. You that's can't really true. say the same. No, I mean, I, I have my own cross to bear when it comes to the humidity. Um, but what we're talking about today is a movie that's based on cold weather because it is a Christmas movie. It is, as Justin termed it, the best, I think, what did you say? It's the best Christmas movie of all time. Is that what you said? So, I mean, I think there's a, in my view, there's a very clear top three, um, Christmas movies. The first is what we're going to talk about. It's going to be Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. The second, Home Alone. And um, the third, in my view, is a Christmas story, like an old classic. I think those are the like the clear top three. If you wanted to put a fourth in there, and we could have a very long debate about this, um, mm. in which I will eviscerate you if you disagree <laughs> with me. Um, but I would put Die Hard. Where does uh, Mars Attacks rank in <laughs> as Christmas. a Christmas movie? A Christmas Doesn't movie? it take place like in the dead of summer? <laughs> yeah, in like Nevada. <laughs> hey christmas spirit is the all-year-round thing okay well, this coming from mr holly and jolly himself i guess i can't really debate that i would debate <laughs> i'm willing to debate your christmas movie list and maybe we'll, if depending on how quick we get through this movie maybe we'll do that uh because i don't think let's i agree it. with it okay um, you yeah, know no, i let let's get through this because that's a that's a debate <laughs> i'd love to have um all right so christmas vacation so justin like 30 seconds um wheelhouse yeah, yeah. Back uh, a, a recap of the wheelhouse for anybody who is not familiar. It is a an IMDb scoring system that I use to try to make sure that I don't watch movies I'm not going to like. Um, and so it's very simple. It's very straightforward. If a movie has an IMDb score of between five point five and eight point zero, it's in the wheelhouse. Now, what does it mean to be in the wheelhouse? Is pretty straightforward. It just means that I'm probably not gonna like it doesn't like being in the wheelhouse doesn't necessarily mean i'm gonna like it most movies are between a 5.5 and an 8.0 that's like idiot america territory and i am idiot america um but if it's out of that wheelhouse like if it's below 5.5 or it's above 8.0 it's a really high likelihood that i'm not gonna like that movie now as i say every time Somebody right now is sitting around saying, oh, you didn't like Return of the King? It's like an 8.9 or something. No, I loved Return of the King. I'm not saying that I'm guaranteed to not like it. It's just unlikely that I'm going to like, or even the new Spider-Man movie. Loved it. It's above an 8.0, right? There are some exceptions, but it keeps me usually from wasting my time. Um, usually if a movie wins an Oscar, I'm not going to like it. Um, so that's it. Straightforward. All the movies that we review here are in the wheelhouse. They're between a 5.5 and an 8.0. That is our guidepost. That's what it means. 
Thanks, Justin. All right, Christmas vacation. Let's do it. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give the synopsis of the movie, and then we're going to hit some discussion points. So this is a movie that I picked, and I had never seen it before. Uh, to me, the the like Christmas vacation is like I thought they were going to actually go on a vacation for Christmas. <laughs> That's and, kind of the whole point of the vacation series, by the way, is they always like it's supposed to be a vacation kind of thing, and it never works out. But, right, sorry, but they actually ahead. don't go anywhere; they stay home. So th so this is about a family. Uh, Chevy Chase is the main. Uh, protagonist, uh, the Griswolds. He has a wife and two children, a, a, a son and a daughter. Um, and it's about, uh, I and I, for, for this whole movie, I thought his name was Mark, but it's actually Clark, as Justin told me right before we started. So uh, Clark Griswold has this burning desire to create the perfect Christmas vacation, not necessarily for him, but for his family and his extended family and his in-laws and anyone he, who comes into contact with him. He is the like quintessential family man, right? Like yep. super idealistic. He loves, obviously, the big family Christmas thing. If you see the previous movie, National Lampoon's Vacation, he loves the big, you know, like um, family summer vacation, all that stuff. Like all of the things that you think are very stereotypical of, you know, like what a like a family would do like that. He is the embodiment of the family man. So this movie is a sequel. This is a sequel. Yeah, the oh, very wow. first I movie didn't even was know. National Lampoon's Vacation. No, no idea that that was the case. Okay, so there's some context that I'm probably missing with this movie because um, I have not seen the previous movie because I didn't know it existed. Anyway, so what happens is he's trying to create the perfect Christmas vacation for him and his family. He does this by going extremely overboard. He drives his family out to the middle of nowhere and cuts down this 18 foot tree that he somehow puts on his uh, well, well, he, station he wagon. Because he forgets the saw. Yeah. How do, yeah, okay. yeah. March all the way out into the right. snow. I want to, I'm going to talk about that, but I, I want to just get through the synopsis, but I, I have questions about that. Uh, all, right, all right. So and he goes overboard with the lights, like 25,000 individual bulbs that he checked and like stapled yeah. and he stapled himself to the roof in the process and he fell down and all this stuff. Um, so a bunch of stuff that he's doing that's going way overboard and like he's spending most of his time outside and not actually with his family, you know, stuff like that. And then like other things are happening to him, not necessarily of his, um, you know, he's, he's causing. So like, for example, his cousin, Eddie, I guess who's his cousin in law, but anyway, cousin Eddie shows up and like, he's a train wreck and a half and like he's dumping sewer water from his RV into his storm drain, like you know, all sorts of things. So all that's happening. It's a complete, it's a complete nightmare. And Chevy Chase's character, Clark is slowly losing his mind, becoming angry and angry and angry and more upset and stuff like that. And another subplot that's running through all this is at work. He's he and the rest of his coworkers are expecting a customary Christmas bonus from their boss. He's going to use it to, you know, put in a pool and, you know, he's got certain financial things, you know, lined up because he's expecting this bonus and how the movie all kind of comes to a head is he doesn't, he get he finally gets the Christmas bonus bonus on Christmas Eve night. He's got all his family there, a bunch of like, you know, wild stuff has already happened that night. So he's teetering on the edge of, you know, just complete emotional and emotional collapse. And he gets his, he gets the, the certified letter and it's like a membership to a club, like jelly of the month club. Yeah, whatever that is. And like he just completely loses it and does. Can I just pause you real yeah. quick? Right there, one of my favorite lines in the movie when he's just standing there, he's like, he's looking at it and everybody's waiting to hear how big the bonus is. And he's going, ah, you know, because like he sees that it's this membership. And finally he goes, it's a subscription to a Jelly of the Month Club. And then from the background, Cousin Eddie with one of the greatest lines ever in a movie goes, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year, Clark. <laughs> oh man, I think I missed I missed that line from Eddie from, from Cousin Oh man, Eddie. it's a it's an all timer from Eddie. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you love that line too because I laughed for about five minutes. We had to pause the movie when that happened. All right, yeah. So okay, so that happens. He loses it. Like he just goes on this amazing rant, which we're gonna dive into, and he insinuates he wants to have very strong words with his boss. And Cousin Eddie, in typical Cousin Eddie fashion, takes this literally and goes and kidnaps his boss and brings him to the Griswold house, the Griswold World you know, uh, Christmas celebration. And long story short, the cops come and 
they but before the, as the cops are getting there they have like the, the boss has this like grinch moment where his heart grew three sizes he decides to give the bonuses out out after all everybody's happy you know clark finally you know has that you know perfect family christmas moment with his family outside where they're all looking up at the stars um and then he <laughs> and, and then there's a there's a minor explosion but all that to say um it ends it ends the, the you know the, the point of the movie is uh to me was it's it's a man trying to create a perfect vacate christmas uh experience and trying way too hard and at the end he realizes you know all he really needs is his family there and you know everything else will work itself out he doesn't have to put all that effort into it so that's my synopsis of christmas vacation y'all tell me if you want to add anything to that before we dive in here I think I think that's largely it. I mean, the one thing that I'm not you may you may have mentioned that the reason that the the Christmas bonus is so important to Clark this year is because again, quintessential family man, he has these dreams of like summer day, spring and summer days with the whole family having pool parties and inviting everybody out. And so he's put down a deposit already on a pool that he doesn't have the money to actually cover. And he needs that Christmas bonus to be able to cover the check that he's already written. So it's like a little bit more special to him than normal. Um, I I don't know, but and I'm happy to, I, I think it's a good topic of conversations. I don't know that I agree with the the last bit that you said, which is that Clark kind of comes to the conclusion that all he needs is his family. Maybe. I don't know that he ever <laughs> gets there. Um, but other than that, I, yeah, I think that's got it. I just have one comment before we get into it. And that is, I have never felt more seen by a movie character <laughs> than Clark Griswold. That's hysterical, especially since like you don't currently have like the opposite of a family man, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. No, but I mean, just the the uh, going overboard and trying to you know go all out because you care. And then just, right. you know, a series of unfortunate events, you know. He tries, he tries so hard, you know. Yeah. Like so and obviously was... a normal person would recognize that, you know, like he is he is his own worst enemy, um, because he's trying so hard. But he cares so much. Like it's a like it's a obviously it's funny and it's national lampoon is very tongue in cheek, but it's like a pretty heartwarming movie that like wow. all the man wants. The only thing that would make him happy, the nothing would make him happier than to give his entire family the perfect Christmas. Like everything he does is not for himself. It's for his family, you know? Yeah. yeah and I, I actually, I picked that up about this movie and it, and interestingly, there's a few moments that I thought were really, um, that were really, uh, what was I trying to say? I thought there, there were a few like touching moments where like, especially like when he, he spent like two, two and a half days, like out on top of his roof, trying to put these lights in. And yep. he, he finally goes to turn it on and it doesn't turn on. And his kids, like her kids are like, his kids have been like over it, like over, like, you know, their dad going overboard. But in that moment, they don't like roll their eyes and walk away. They actually go up to him and say, dad, Hey, listen, you know, you know, I'm sure it's, it, it will be beautiful, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like actually like, and they weren't being sarcastic. Like the characters in the, the, the you know, his son and daughter in the movie were like actually you know, trying to be comforting. Which I thought was nice because typically, at least in a movie today, I feel like the opposite would happen. Like the kids would like just, you know, roll eyes, walk, walk back into the house. So I did, I think there was like this undercurrent of like, it's actually a heartwarming tale on some level. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some like, you know, early eighties, early nineties, idealistic family stereotypes in here, right? Where like <laughs> the young son helps the dad out with the Christmas decorations. I think today the young son's probably playing Fortnite. Um, but, uh, but um, you know, I, I, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So I had a few points here that I wanted to hit um, and then we can hit whatever points you guys had. So the first thing I had is, so Chevy Chase, um, I actually haven't seen a lot of movies with Chevy Chase, but my, at least not with, with him and his quote prime, I guess. Uh, but my, uh, the, the, like the, the feeling, the feeling, the impression he gives off is he is that quintessential family man, right? Like he is like the guy you see, you know, as you walk out to get your mail in the morning, Oh, hi, Jim, blah, 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 you know, whatever, just, you know, that kind of person. And like <laughs> one of the, in, in the beginning, he demonstrates zero chill, like for, for like just random things. Like he's, he's driving, he's driving on the highway to get to pick up this tree. Um, and this truck starts tailgating him. So what does he do? Well, uh, like the stereotypical, like, you know, 
typical family man would just let the guy pass, which is what his wife tells him to do. Well, what does Clark uh, Griswold do? He speeds up and he tries to prevent the truck from passing him. The truck passes him. And then like, okay, like even if you were going to like mess around with that, maybe just let it go at this point. No, what does he do? He speeds up and passes him. And then like, okay, all right, well, you think that might be it. But, well, no, what, like the truck passes him again. And then this, you, you know, those like big uh, 18 wheelers that haul the, the, the logging trucks, right? Uh, Clark Griswold, for some reason, decides to do the Vin Diesel move of taking his station wagon <laughs> and going underneath the logging like flatbed. <laughs> In fairness to Clark, I think he didn't realize he was about to do that. Like he had his eye stuck on the guy and he wasn't looking at what was next to him. And he just gets underneath that car, but yeah, or that truck, but yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then like, and then the no chill part of it was at one point when the truck's passing him, he says his family, oh, look, some deer out the side window. And like, I mean, everybody turns to look, he just, he just like casually puts his middle finger up to the truck driver and i'm like <laughs> and he's smiling the whole time right like yeah, it's just, just like when yeah he just uh, enjoying it you know just like clark man you got no chill you got to calm down over there well that was a perfect introduction to his character too because he just takes things too far right you know and he, it was That's just fun. first it's you know going in front of the car next it's ended up underneath the semi truck then you're going off roads like that's just the perfect encapsulation of his character he takes it too far his family all knows and expects it but he does it anyways yeah that's a it's a great point because like you guys unfortunately don't have the context of the original vacation movie but clark is a little bit famous for two things number one his idealism and number yeah. two his absolute meltdowns when things don't go <laughs> the way that he sort of expects them to go. And after, you know, like failure has been building for a while, um, he, he is a little bit renowned for his meltdowns. And so to the family, I don't think this is out of character at all. Yeah. Um, it, okay. So the tree, we mentioned it earlier. So Peter pointed out that they went to go get the Griswold family tree. It's like 18 to 25 feet tall some evergreen they drove out into the where is this movie even set like where are they in pretty sure that they're in chicago they? yeah. yeah um because okay. he's a bears fan okay um russ is wearing a blackhawks jersey yeah they so, and, he, and he wears his blackhawks jersey in cold too. cold weather right yeah. so so they, sure they drive out to wherever the closest woods is to chicago um and pick out this evergreen that's like gotta be pushing 20 something feet tall um and there's just he's just standing up he's standing he's looking at it with this like be like just beautiful smile on his face just admiring the street and his wife points out that he didn't bring something to cut it down with so i don't know if anybody here has ever cut down a tree but you can't like you can't like you even if you had a four by four truck you're there's no way you're pulling yeah. out a tree even half the size of that tree and just out of the ground with the roots yeah like, no it's we are, not we are, happening we're led to believe in the next scene because it's as peter mentioned earlier it's like this ginormous 20-foot tree that's strapped to the roof of the car in an unreasonable fashion but then like the camera does the thing where the camera is moving but it's moving slightly slower than the car is and so you see more and more of the car as the camera holds the frame and you know as as you see the back of the car you see the tree hanging off and then you just see the roots that are still attached to it so we're left to believe that somehow clark has pulled the tree out of the ground like they not dug it out. Third. you know they dug it out with their hands that's what i picture going down <laughs> well i mean like the only conceivable thing that he could have done is tied it to the station wagon and pulled it out, but he would have totally ripped the axles out of his station wagon trying to do that. Anyway, I know it's a movie where we're supposed to spin disbelief, but I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah. There's a, there's quite a few things in this movie that obviously would not fly in a non-movie <laughs> setting, but for comedic value, they're perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, I just really enjoyed how little chill Clark had throughout this movie. There's a couple of, of, of lines that he has um, one. All right. So I, let's, 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 let's talk about, um, let's talk about the neighbors. So there are some neighbors. There's some neighbors. Yeah. There's some Todd neighbors. Margo. Yeah. I actually never knew their name. So thank you for that. Um, there are some neighbors here. Uh, one played by um, the actor. Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, Julie Louis Dreyfus. Um, Elaine from Seinfeld. Um, why were they in this movie? Like, I don't understand the point of these neighbors. I think that they, 
you know, well, first, I mean, obviously just because, you know, Clark's antics had to like, they had to terrorize someone that wasn't just his own family, right? Like his family, obviously he had, they have no choice. They must deal with the man, right? Like she's married to him. He's their dad. They don't have a choice. Right. Right. But like somebody I think has to be like, there has to be another set of characters that are like, this is some bullshit, right? Like, and it's the neighbors, (laughs) it's Todd and Margo. And they couldn't be more opposites from like, um, from the Griswolds, like the Griswolds are a family, right? Like everything about what they do is family oriented. Todd and Margo appear to be, you know, married, but no kids. Right. And like the contrast between their houses and what they wear, like Todd and Margo are for the nineties, very modern, which is just horrendous to go back and look at now. Oh man. Um, but the Griswolds are very they were wearing those all silver track suits to yeah. work out. Yeah. yeah. But man, they you hate Clark. <laughs> yeah. So the first introduction we get to the neighbors is, Clark has come outside of his garage with a chainsaw, a hockey mask um, to cut up the Christmas tree. And he's like revving it like with the hockey mask on walking out of his garage. Somehow there's smoke coming from somewhere. Um, anyway, so, he, you know, I guess this is a callback to some horror film that I'm not familiar with. Friday the 13th, man. OK, don't know. Um, man, you really have seen <laughs> wow. no movies, have you? If it's especially if it's a horror film, I, I probably haven't seen it. Um Okay, so that's he walks out, and then the, the the neighbors are pulling in to their had just pulled into their driveway, and they the guy calls out and he says, "Hey, Clark, what you gonna do with that tree?" And what are you gonna do with the tree that big? I think, yeah, gonna, yeah. Um, and it clearly like there's a like there's like a um, der, um, der, uh, what's the word der, diversion diversion. I don't know. He's being like, he's clearly digitation. Yeah. Prestidigitation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he's clearly being derisive derisive. Is that right? Am I saying that right? I don't well, know. let's just say Clark's being a dick. No, no. Clark, the neighbor, the, the sorry, neighbors, the neighbors being, a dick. being a dick. Yes. Thank you. The neighbors being a dick. So <laughs> what Clark says again with absolutely no chill is like, why don't you bend over and I'll show you. And he doesn't even hesitate, right? Yeah. Like, zero hesitation. What are you going to do with that? A tree that big Griswold. Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> and then, and then the neighbor comes back with, and I don't even remember what the neighbor said, but the neighbor comes the neighbor back. Neighbor said, with, "How dare you talk to me like that?" And he said, said, "Yeah, that's what." And then Clark just comes back with, "I wasn't talking to you." <laughs> He's so. And, and I think uh, Margo, who is uh, Julie Lee Dreyfus, like gets this really confused look on her face. And because I don't think she, I don't know, maybe she wasn't meant to. She didn't catch the first part of the interaction or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah no that was that was excellent well i also love just how todd and margo say each other's names they have this like way of saying it todd margo, margo. Yeah, like everything's like- over everything's over enunciated <laughs> yeah. trying to be like you know the the futuristic like you know hip, the modern family you know yeah, hip, the hip power couple yeah, it's the modern family versus the classic, you know, Christmas group. Yeah, but the reason I ask why are these neighbors even here? Because literally the only times we ever see them throughout the movie is when something is is about to or currently happening to them that's a result of something Clark is doing. So, like, he's out, you know, putting his lights up, and he gets into the situation where he's falling off his roof, clinging to his gutter. He pulls the gutter out, and maybe, I guess this is a phenomenon in cold weather climates, but this, like, silent the cylinder of ice just shoots out of his gutter directly into his neighbor's window, breaks the window, hits some sort of technology that I could not recognize. Stereo. Was that a stereo? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is that how they looked in the early nineties? I, I mean, I mean, it was broken when we saw it. So I think, cool. I mean, the short answer is, is like, I think that those people had gone like a little hard with their stereo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it hits, it breaks the stereo. And then, like, we see them trying to figure out what's going on, and and then then that's it. We move on. The movie continues, and then later, um, you know, he finally gets the lights configured. Todd and Todd and Margo are having a romantic evening in uh, their bedroom. Um, you know, about to do what romantic actions? I don't know. They're doing something, and he plugs the lights get turned on and it's like surge lights directly into their bedroom and like they're yeah, stumbling like along next to the surface of the sun right they're stumbling all around blind breaking stuff yeah. spilling the wine like you know all that happens to them and yeah. then the movie moves on so it's they like had to be that they are the token people who are terrorized <laughs> by clark yeah 
So I don't know. I mean, I guess it added to the plot. I think it did. I was laughing my ass off every time they were getting, you know, bamboozled by the Griswolds. <laughs> bamboozled. Good word. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't like there are a few lines in this movie that I just absolutely love. There's one that's co- that comes up right after right after the bend over and I'll show you a moment. And that is that, you know, he's he finally gets the tree in the house after he's had to cut it up a bunch just to get it to fit. And it still doesn't fit. Right. It's like in the ceiling, scratching the, the ceiling of the house. And he's got it all like tied up. And he goes, you know, he's like ceremonially, he's got his scissors and he's like going to cut the rope. And he's like, I christened this the Griswold family Christmas. And he cuts it and just the tree goes everywhere. He breaks a window as the limbs snap out back into place. And then Clark is like stuck in the tree. He just keeps going. <laughs> he going. Looks great. Little full. A lot of sap. Looks great though. <laughs> it's a little full. Oh man. Yeah. There were some good one. There were some good, like I have a few as well, a few quotes that were really good in this. Um, but yeah, that was pretty funny. So um so yeah, the neighbors. All right, so we have to talk about cousin Eddie. So yeah. So okay, one of the major themes here is that his parents, Clark's parents, are coming for Christmas. And, and Ellen's all, parents. Right. And Ellen's parents. So the plan is he's gonna have his parents, he's gonna have his wife's parents, and he's gonna have their his aunts, but I and uncles, but I don't know which side they're from. I think his his parents' brother and his wife and one of the aunts. Anyway, there's some oh, extended Aunt, Aunt Bethany and Uncle uh was Uncle Lewis. Lewis. Lewis, yeah. Those two people definitely all plan to be there for Christmas. Which, by the way, like we have, we obviously don't have the layout of the house. It's not that big of a house, and that's no. a lot of people. It is a lot of people. house, right? So, yeah, a little bit overcrowded. Which I think perhaps you know that's part of it. But um, so one person and his entourage who was not necessarily part of the christmas celebration was definitely not invited cousin eddie um so what happens is um and i thought this was a great introduction because i i was thrown for loop for a second uh but what happens is he finally gets the lights to work and like he's crying and he's like we're not i wouldn't say he's crying but like there's tears of joy tears of joy yeah tears of joy coming down his face he went and individually hugged and gave kisses to his wife his daughter his son, his father, <laughs> his mother. There's another really good line here where, you know, everybody's like, it looks beautiful, Clark. And right. he goes up to, he gives his dad a hug and he goes, dad, you taught me everything I know about exterior illumination. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, it's like his big production of like, you know, almost like he just won an Oscar and he's like, you know, thanking everybody who's, you well, know, he all spends like the first, you know, third of the movie working on those lights. I mean, to so be at fair. Some point, like everyone, you know, when I was watching, I was like, man, I can't wait for these lights to actually. <laughs> well, and people like the, the, the parents, at least to his in-laws, like Ellen's parents, basically the whole time he was spending all that time. We're like, this is dumb. This is a waste of time. And then he couldn't get him working. And everybody was like, you need to just give up on it, man. And he finally gets it working. And he's just so proud of himself. Well, and it's not even his wife, El, uh, Elena or Elaine, Ellen. Elena. She just like flips a switch that's inside the house, right. which, you know, I'll speak again. Never felt more seen. That has happened <laughs> to me so many times. No, no, no. I'm looking for what's not plugged in. It's just a hidden switch somewhere, you know? Okay. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because that reminded me of something. Um, so many times I'll be like doing a project similar to this one. Not maybe not the same scale, but I'll be doing a project. And I'll be like, it's not working. And my wife will come outside and I'll be like, I don't understand. And she'll ask a question like, well, is it plugged in? And, of course it's plugged in. And I'll give the same <laughs> response, which is, of course it's plugged in. Like almost word for word what Clark said. Why would I like go and like X, Y, and Z, you know, if I hadn't plugged, you know, the damn thing in? And then like, I'll go check if it's plugged in. And sometimes yeah, it's, it's always something in. stupid. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> well, like, that's like classic, classic us. wife wisdom right there. He also asked his son, Russ, he's like, Russ, you checked all the lights, right? And there's like 2,500 <laughs> lights. And Russ is just like, yeah, 20, definitely. 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's when he also suggests when it won't, when it's not working. He was like, well, Russ, I guess we're just going to have to have to go back and check him again. And Russ goes, shoo, boy, look at the time. It's I got to brush my teeth. I got to get to bed. Still got to do the laundry. 
<laughs> I just, and he's, like, and he's like slowly walking to the he front wants door. Nothing to do with it. And also, uh, by the way, at the start of the project to get the lights up, another great Clark Griswold one-liner. He's got a box full of lights. He pulls it out and there's just this giant, massive tangle. And he goes, Russ, can I use your help here? Little knot, little knot here. <laughs> just hands it, whole thing to him. <laughs> <laughs> which good on russ i guess he untangled it because like yeah, russ we'd see... it. because again stereotypical yeah. father-son relationship in those times you know it was like the son helped the father today the son plays Fortnite. yeah oh, and real quick before we move on past the lights one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he gets trapped in the attic which oh is, yeah when you know, i was little like when i was younger oh that was my favorite scene because it was just him you know hitting himself in the face over and over again and yeah. they were like there were too many of the adult themes that I didn't understand at that age. So I couldn't really appreciate. Um, but I definitely got Clark stepping on boards and slapping himself in the face with him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to get back to cousin Eddie, so the lights are working. He's like tearfully like, you know, thanking or, you know, talking to each member of his family and he gets past his in-laws and there's cousin Eddie and, and he embraces, he puts his arm around him as if like, you know, he was there the whole time. And then, and then you see Clark, Eddie says something, I forget what Eddie said, but Eddie says something like, he says something like, boy, I can't you believe you did all this for us or something like that. And, um, and you see this look of absolute terror come over Clark's face and he's like, Eddie. Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's our introduction to Eddie and, and who Eddie is, is he's Clark's cousin-in-law, or I don't know if he's the actual cousin or cousin-in-law, but, and, uh, he's come from some, you know, other part of the country driving this RV that has looked like it's been through war. Like it's this Brown and green. It's the color of sewage, I think. And <laughs> out of the RV come his two children. He has a daughter and he has a son. He has this massive, what was it? It was at a, it was a no, it was a Rottweiler. It was something else. What's that other dog? That's similar to it Rottweiler. A, it was a Rottweiler. No, it, it was a Rottweiler. Rottweiler. I thought it was a different, yeah. different breed. Anyway, no, this big, big this, this big, big dog, and like one of the first things he says is, um, you know, um, one of the grandparents goes up to the 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 kid and said, "Can you know, can I have a kiss?" And and Eddie's like, "Better not. He's got some sort of lip fungus." <laughs> And then the grandmother looks at the daughter and she's like, Oh, her eyes aren't cross-eyed anymore. And Eddie's like, well, what, what, well, what would, you know, falling down a well, her eyes went cross-eyed, but she got kicked by a mule. And now it's all fixed. What are you going to do? It's just like, what is going on with this family? Yeah. Um, and so what we find out is Eddie has driven the family out and he says, you know, something to the effect of, you know, we thought about calling, but we wanted it to be a surprise. And Clark was like, if I, you, if I woke up tomorrow, sewed to the carpet, I couldn't be more surprised. <laughs> by the way, important to note, um, cousin Eddie is played by Randy Quaid. And for anybody who doesn't know, um, Randy Quaid is a little bit, I think like cousin Eddie in real life in that, like in like the late or mid two thousands, if I'm remembering my facts correctly, he like basically had all these arrest warrants issued because he was like using invalid credit cards to pay for things and like had skipped out on a bunch <laughs> of taxes and like was squatting in a house that like that was a vacant house or something like that, like all kinds of stuff. And he literally fled to Canada and sought political asylum in Canada because he said <laughs> that he feared for his life in the United States. That's hysterical. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's essentially what Cousin Eddie is like. He's this like, you know just completely irresponsible but blissfully ignorant of the, the of this fact guy who's like somehow bootstrapping his way through life yeah good-hearted but really dumb yeah i mean clark describes him best later in the movie when he says my cousin whose heart is bigger than his brain uh um, he takes true. it as a compliment he's like yeah, he takes it thanks clark <laughs> <laughs> that's real kind of you so cousin Eddie introduces an element of chaos that Clark really didn't need in his Chris already stressful Christmas uh, endeavors. Um, I mean, I mean, right when I, like there's this is a thing that I think most people miss and you guys might not have picked it up. But like just to give you an idea of the chaos that is to come, they go inside. Clark and Eddie are like sharing an eggnog and catching up. And Clark has this very delicate like balsa wood like pinwheel something that's on his table and eddie just pokes it and the whole thing just gets destroyed instantly <laughs> like that's eddie in an instant 
Yeah, and then he walks after doing that. He walks over to the uh, to a different side table that had decorative walnuts, and he starts cracking them, <laughs> dropping the the shell casings on yeah. the floor, and eating the walnuts. Yeah, and he's got the he's got the the white sweater with the dicky the black dicky underneath it, so it looks like he's wearing a turtleneck, but you can see the line where it's just like a square. Right. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> oh man, I mean, there's just so many things cousin Eddie does. Um, I mean, his dog like is constantly like it's eating nuts. trash or drinking the tree water or um, there's a there's a part where um, a squirrel gets into the house because, okay well I guess we should talk about why there's a squirrel that's in the house so what happens <laughs> what happens is cousin Eddie empties his decides to his 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 uh, toilet gets his his like black water tank in his RV gets full and he needs to empty it. So where else would one empty your your black water tank except for right into the storm drain, right in the storm drain. So what happens is Clark wakes up. Um, I think it was like two days before Christmas, Christmas Day. And he goes downstairs and he looks out his window and his wife comes up to him and she's like, hey, you know, how you feeling? And he's like, or what are you doing? Or, you know, whatever, because he's like staring out his window. And I'm going to do this, this quote lifeline because I thought this was so funny. He says, um, Oh, just admiring the quiet majesty of winter's morn, the clean, cool chill of the holiday air, and an asshole in his bathroom emptying a chemical <laughs> toilet into my sewer. And the camera cuts <laughs> to Cousin Eddie standing on the curb with a hose that's clearly depositing, like, you know, refuse Walks from a toilet yeah, into the storm drain. He's holding a beer, and this is like, gotta be like eight, nine o'clock in the morning. And like one of those, like, caps, like one yeah. of those, like, caps that have the flaps that come down over your ears yeah and in a robe and, a, and in a robe and i think he had a cigarette anyway he's just like and he's like he sees clark and he like raises the beer and he just goes like the shitter was full Mer like the most classic christmas vacation line that there is todd comes out of the house he smells something and he looks over in eddie's direction and eddie goes merry christmas Shitter was full. That is the <laughs> most classic line in all of in all of Christmas vacation. Oh man. So yeah, all right. So that happens. Now, um, Clark remarks at a later point that if anybody were to light a match anywhere near that storm drain, it's going to create a uh an explosion of some kind. And what happens later in the film is that his uncle Lewis, who really enjoys stogies, lights one. And there was a window open near the Christmas tree. And somehow these events transpired to create a minor flame up right where the Christmas tree is. And it completely incinerated the Griswold family Christmas tree. Like completely. Yeah, just another another one of the the disasters of, you know, like that is ruining Clark's like perfect Christmas. By the way, the subplot with Cousin Eddie is that he's brought the kids there. Clark feels very bad for the kids because, you know, they live in an RV and they start talking about how they're not like their their parents had told them that Santa wasn't coming this year because Eddie, you know, and, and Catherine, that's his wife, can't afford presents. And so Clark decides to take it on himself to um, to give Eddie's kids a Christmas. Um, so that's like the subplot that's going on with, uh, and, with cousin Eddie. And once again, you know, Clark, you know, focused on other people, you know, wanting to have everybody to have a great Christmas, um, which is, the, I think, probably the main plot. Yeah. And by the way, there's another really good one liner that I think gets past a lot of people when Clark and Ellen are laying in bed one night and they're talking about, hey, we should give, you know, uh, Rocky and Ruby Sue, I think are Eddie's kids names. Um, we should give them a nice Christmas. And, and Clark goes, well, man, the man hasn't worked in like seven years. And Ellen goes, yeah, Catherine. And this is this is so good. Catherine says he's holding out for a management position. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, I mean, yeah, that that was a great line. But Clark's like expression after she says that was was pretty pretty good. He's basically like, like he does one of those like head shakes and like like multiple blink like blinks a bunch of times really fast. Like what? The classic Chevy Chase, yeah. you know, surprised face, right? Yeah. Um, so the tree to come back to the tree, the tree gets incinerated, and Clark. This is when Clark's psyche begins to break, and. What he decides to do is he said, okay, we have to have this tree there. We have to have a tree. So he goes out with his chainsaw and a crazed look on his face and in his eyes. Um, and he cuts down just a tree in his yard. And he drags that inside. 
It's funny that you say with a crazed look on his face, because I think Russ actually says he's got that crazy look in his eye again. <laughs> Which I guess was a call back to the first movie, right? Um, probably. By the way, um, another great one-liner that happens as he's going to get the chainsaw to go cut the tree down. He's upstairs and he's headed downstairs and there's like a little newel post that's loose on one of the banisters of his stairs and he fires up the chainsaw, just cuts the damn thing off. It skips down the stairs and he just yells out, fix the newel post. <laughs> <laughs> Addition by subtraction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he drags that inside. Now, he now let's keep in mind, he drugged this tree inside his house from the outside. It's the dead of winter. Mm-hmm. there was probably wildlife in that tree. Now, you know, Clark probably wasn't in his right mind, but you would think if you're going to bring a tree in from the outside, you would probably check for wildlife, but I, that did not happen in this case. So what happens is he puts the tree in the living room to replace the, the one that got incinerated and he starts hearing something coming from the tree and he peeks in and the squirrel is in there and it leaps out onto him and it, and everybody freaks out. Like everybody just absolutely loses their mind, starts running away, including the dog snots. Right. And his mother, Clark's mother, like faints on the spot, Um, which I thought was interesting because like I think I thought the stereotype was was that people faint because of mice, which I guess a squirrel is a mouse, still a rodent mouse size. But it's like you see them so often. I don't know. Anyway. I think there's a difference between seeing them outside and you're like, oh, cute squirrel versus ones running around in your house. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but anyway, there's like a whole 15 minute sequence where like they're trying to get the squirrel out and Snots is chasing the squirrel around. He's breaking everything up and up between tables and on top of China cabinets. Just like just another layer of of, you know, chaos to More and, ruin and basically. ruin. Yeah. To to add on to, you know, what already has happened. Um Another way in which the, the the neighbors get terrorized because I believe Margot from next door was coming over to give Clark a piece of her mind because in the process of cutting the new tree down, I think he broke another one of their windows. If I'm remembering correctly, the tree fell into their house and broke a window. Yeah. Um, well, so what is there talking about? Him- like, hey, do you think we should have gotten a Christmas tree? And then all of a sudden, the tree <laughs> yeah, just pulls right through right. the window. That's right. Um, yeah, so she's going to go over there and give Clark a piece of her mind. And as she's about to knock on the door, the door opens because Clark's trying to let the squirrel out. The squirrel runs by and then Snots jumps on Margot and presumably mauls her. I don't know. <laughs> and then actually the last time we see Todd and Margot, or one of the last times, second to last time, Margot comes back to... Oh yeah, she's like destroyed. Yeah, she, her clothes are ripped up. She's got scratches on her face. And Todd stands up and he is like... What happened? And she just lays into like clock. She gives him a pretty good right hook. Like, and especially considering the reach difference, like she, she got him pretty good. I don't know if the actor been down, been down or not. Um, because Todd is like, gotta be like six, three. And I don't know how he's a pretty tall guy. Anyway, she, I I imagine in that period of movie making, they would just swing, you know, just full on. (laughs) Like you think, you think Julie Louis Dreyfus actually connected there? Yeah. Oh Yeah. But yeah, no, Todd Todd takes a tumble over the back of the couch. The couch falls over. I think it might be the last time we see No, because we see we see Margot once more when the police come. Oh, right. Yeah. But that, that is right. the last time we see Todd. That's right. Um, okay. So all this builds up to a breaking point. The breaking point is, I guess, what is the customary for uh Clark Griswold, which I didn't know, you know, pre- you know, I didn't know there was a context for this, but what this builds up to is Clark Griswold just completely losing it. And it's when he gets his Christmas bonus, that's not a Christmas bonus. And he goes on a rant. And <laughs> it is an all-timer. It is an all-timer. Um, hey, but the, the, the basics of the rant is he wants to bring his boss here and basically call him all kinds of very colorful and imaginative names and, and insults. <laughs> one of my favorite things about this was like he's he basically goes through this diatribe and to end it he basically he's, he's like he's like uh you know i want to say you know low life snake licking dirt licking you know overstuff ignorant blah 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 blah. and then he you know worm-headed sack of monkey shit that he is and then he goes like hallelujah holy shit where's the tylenol and he just walks out of the room <laughs> it is it's an all-time meltdown like that is a 
quintessential Clark Griswold meltdown. If you see the first movie, he has a meltdown when they can't get in the amusement park. This is very similar. Yeah. And he's doing all this like to his family, like to his parents, to his kids, to his wife, his mother-in-law and father-in-law. Like and that's the audience for this. And very, very importantly, Cousin Eddie. Right. Yeah. Eddie, because remember the subplot. Clark has done a very nice thing for his kids and he wants desperately to pay Clark back, right? Literal. Yeah, yeah. So Eddie hears, I want my boss, Frank Shirley, when, you know, who lives among all the rich assholes up there on Melody Lane or whatever. I want him brought here. So what does Eddie do? His head. That's an important thing. ribbon on his head. So what does Eddie do? He goes and gets Frank Shirley, right? And he puts a ribbon on him. <laughs> he kidnaps him. He's got, he, he shows up to the house with his boss tied gagged with a bow strapped to his chest <laughs> yep um and so you know clark you know clark, clark realizes what happened he's and he's like you know he's not apologetic i wouldn't say he's apologetic but he's very like hey my cousin and you know my cousin isn't at fault here it's this is my fault and this is why this happened i was upset i went on a rant that i shouldn't have gone on and you know that's and and the reason was because of the christmas bonus and he does give him a little piece of his mind like not in like the way that he was in the rant but but he does like you know basically tell him hey that was really you know that was really yeah. a dick move to and, take and the by bonus the way there's a the one thing we haven't covered is like throughout the movie there are little interspersed scenes of clark at work like trying to be nice to mr shirley and like mr shirley like they're they're painting the context that he doesn't care about the people who work for him because he keeps calling him like carl and greaseball and like all these various things to indicate like you know you're not really that important to me because i don't care who you are uh, i don't know who you are all those kinds of things and so he finally like clark kind of reads him a little bit of the riot act and as you said earlier, um, Mr. Shirley gets, you know, his heart grows a few sizes and he realizes the error of his ways. And he goes, you know, sometimes things look good on paper, but you don't really have appreciation for how it's going to affect people, little people like you. <laughs> yeah. And he also says, like, you know, sometimes you have to remember that uh, at a company like like ours, you know, the one of the most important products is the people, which I mean, that that by itself is true in business you know, in general. So, but you don't see typically, I guess that's, that's yeah. maybe another stereotypical, like maybe eighties, nineties, like, you know, innocence thing, because like, typically if you make that movie today, the boss doesn't have that realization. And it's more well, like, I think it was also a little tongue in cheek though, because throughout so. every like business scene, you just see the most corporate environment ever. Oh yeah. Where... Like remember Mr. Shirley's desk, it's like 30 feet long. Or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. on it. He's basically in a boardroom. Yeah, and no, everyone got him like, like the same exact room. gift. I yeah, wanted to know yeah. what the gift was. I did too. Actually, bought him the same gift. Yeah, yeah. He had like a a table with like Put eight it over there with the others. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it's like this, and like the the wrapping of the presents, it's this identical, it's some L shape. Yeah, and then Clark's of, like trying to have like a conversation with him, and he just grabs the phone and goes, "Get me somebody, anybody, anybody. and get me somebody while oh, I'm waiting." Right. Uh, anyway, so all that happens, important call. right? All that happens. The boss has had a change of heart. Bonuses are in, 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 in inbound and it's 20% more than got last year, which causes Clark to faint. So everybody's happy. But what's happened is his boss, his wife has obviously is concerned that he was abducted from his house. Obviously. And she has called the cops. Oh, and by the way, when she's another great one, she's describing Eddie to the cops she was like he's just a big beastly bulging man <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so what is what happens well you know you would think what would happen is a patrol car would pull up to the griswold family home and two officers would walk up the front door knock on the door and you know hey what's going on here not what, for mr shirley not for mr shirley what happens well like 15 patrol cars come screeching in to the neighborhood the swat van pulls up they start repelling off the, the they start repelling off of the top of the Griswold house. They get the signal to go. They kick down the door. They like propel through the windows. For some reason, they break into the neighbor's house. Right, because they're knocking a pounding on the door, and Margot thinks it's Todd trying to come back, and she mm -hmm. says, "Go away!" And they keep knocking, and he goes, "She goes, if you want to come in here, you are going to have to break down that goddamn door." And so they, do, so they do, and it's a bunch of cops, <laughs> right? And not like and that's the last we see of Margot. And but these, but these, these cops, I should point out, like they're dressed like not quite. Maybe I don't know what SWAT was wearing back then. I think then, they're but, supposed to be like like 
early 90s movie SWAT people. Yeah, right? because they were kind of dressed how you could imagine the National Guard is dressed. But I think in, that's how SWAT black. dressed back then, though. Maybe, maybe so, because they were all like in black, kind of fatigue, you know, sort of uh, uniforms, and all yeah. carrying what looked like M16s. So yeah. <laughs> just like completely overboard. And they just break into the Griswold house, like, you know, like 10 cops, mostly with M16s, pointed at the family. And the, the boss goes like, hey, I'm not pressing charges. And his, the wife storms in. She's like, why are you not pressing charges? And he's like, well, you see, the reason all this happened is because I took away the Christmas bonus. And the wife is like, you did what? How how much of an idiot are you? And then the, the police chief who has shown up on Christmas Eve to this random house <laughs> yeah. in the suburbs of Chicago is like, oh, man, I don't think I, I can. A rubber hose, I'd beat you I'd with beat it. I'd beat you with it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that's what he said. <laughs> Um, so everybody is like, oh yeah, you're a terrible person for having done that. Despite just having like broken every window in this house and like brought 15 to 20 SWAT team members, you know, out of their homes on Christmas Eve to raid this suburban, the suburban, um, you know, house in Chicago. <laughs> anyway, so the movie ends with, you know, basically a happy ending. Clark's getting his bonus so he can get his pool. Yep. And everybody really, really classic yeah. thing, by the way, when the cops are in there, like everybody freeze and Ellen, for whatever reason, has her has her yes. hand on Clark's crotch. Right. <laughs> oh, and wait, I missed it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's frozen there. And at some point, I think it's the Mr. Shirley's wife comes in there or something like that. And she's trying to say hello. So she goes, welcome to our home. And she reaches out to shake her hand and then puts her hand back on Clark's crotch. <laughs> <laughs> I completely missed that. Oh, that was, I'm so glad you noticed that too. And then there was there's also when the cops were like screaming freeze, the the cop who screamed it had to like look back and go, not you guys to the other cops because they froze <laughs> yeah, that they froze. <laughs> like oh man. Yeah. So the movie kind of ends here with um you know, everybody going outside and looking up at the sky because I think somebody said they saw Santa. It was actually some sort of shooting star. And then um, it wasn't a shooting star. It was like it was like gas uh, from the sewer, from the, sewer. the sewer line yeah. making like weird like patterns in the sky. OK, yeah, well, some sort think, of Aurora Borealis situation was the, uh, at one point Clark freaks out over the lights not working. And he starts kicking his like reindeer Santa sleigh set on his front yard. And so that ends up getting put in like the pile of trash that starts collecting outside of his house. And that's right next to the storm drain. And so when it blows up, it literally sends Santa and his sleigh through the night sky. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, that's what they're all yeah. Watching. So, so Uncle Lewis causes a second explosion. He lights another cigar and <laughs> it ignites the gas that's still accumulating. And as Peter said, it sends Santa and the reindeer hurtling like a comet through the sky on Christmas Eve. So, you know, the family has a nice moment staring up at the, the, the stars in the sky and you know movie kind of ends so that, there it is christmas vacation boys i'm desperate to know what you thought i since it's technically a movie i picked i will go first um i didn't uh i didn't hate it i wouldn't say that i liked it wow what I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. I mean, what? it was fine. It was it was it was a fine movie. Um, I wouldn't choose to watch it again. What? Um, yeah. Um, Peter, had you seen it before? That was the first time I've seen it, and I, I'll say this again: I've never felt more seen by a movie character. <laughs> and also, like that's those are the type of Christmases I grew up with. Like all the little things in the house. Like I grew up with those things. The big family gatherings in a way too small house the great uncle who shows up late is like doesn't even remember half of what's going on. like there were so many things that were just so spot on that i was like all right this is a classic this is exactly what happens all right g so zero out of five pogs what are you giving it i'll give it a 2.5 wow oh god i'll tell you i'll tell you why here here's what it is um the so like you pointed out like, and I think maybe part of, well, maybe well, it was because Peter watched it the first time too. So maybe this doesn't really work, but like the part in the, like the scene in the attic, like 
it didn't make me laugh. Like I didn't find it funny. Like him hitting his face with the planks. It's like, what do we? Yeah, I mean, I I did I I kind of laughed the first time, but the next two times I just didn't find it funny. Um, I did find when he fell out of the attic to be funny, but it's like, but some part of me is like, how stupid do you have to be to sit on top of the attic, like pull down? But that's that's the whole point of his character is he's it's not a stupid character. He just he cares so much that he just loses any side of anything else. He gets tunnel vision, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, all right, there's no hope for G. Fine. <laughs> well, there were and there are also parts of it that like genuinely like kind of grossed me out, like this the trash scene and like I don't know the when Eddie is pouring the sewage. I don't know. Like I, I just like was just legitimately grossed out on some level in a few spots in the movie. Fascinating. All right, Peter, what did you think? Um, this is probably going to go up in my top three Christmas movies of all time easily. Um, it's probably slotting in at number three. Um, I also have to give a shout out though, because my favorite Christmas movie of all time was literally in the movie. Um, and that is, it's a wonderful uh, life. It's a wonderful life. And so, you know, I got this movie just, it's spot on. It captures, you know, that suburban Christmas chaos. That's so funny to kind of step back and watch unfold. And, you know, Chevy Chase, I mean, that was iconic. I got to go back and watch the other National Lampoon vacation movies. I would recommend the first vacation movie, the following one, like, I can't like European vacation or it might've been Vegas vacation. Not very Vegas good, vacation. but the original vacation, pretty good. Yeah. So I'll give that like a, you know, 3.9, four, pretty, pretty high up there for me. All right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a, a, Probably a four, maybe a four and a quarter. I don't want to too, you know, like I've trying said before. Trying to balance out my, my, uh, <laughs> I don't want to too finely slice the pogs here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, as I said, and, um, we can maybe for a couple minutes here, we can have the conversation if you guys want. But as I said, definitely top three, um, you know, Christmas vacation right there at the top, home alone, a Christmas story. And then if I could have a fourth, it would be die hard. Die hard. So what is the average then? If you average our our ratings, uh, it's a great question. So what was Peter, yours? Right, Gee, what was so yours? Two point five. Two point five. Peter, what were you? I was a four. An average pog of two point seven five. Gee's really bringing us down. Travesty. <laughs> you you'll uh, you'll end up with coal for Christmas next year. What, right? what was it? What was it again? Oh, no, no, no. That can't be right. Yeah, that's too that low. Wrong. Three point, a little over three and a half. That's better. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's, y'all, that's haven't, right. y'all haven't really tried to convince me that I'm wrong here. Well, it's because I, you know, like, I don't know that that's my job. Um, the movie should speak for itself. And if it doesn't, then it says a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, I, I want to dig on, in on this Christmas movie rating for a second here. Um, I do think, like, before we move, before we close the book on Christmas Vacation, I do think that, like, I could see how it wouldn't be for everybody, right? Like, I like I look at like something like Tommy Boy or something like Dumb and Dumber, and I think those are kind of universally funny. Whereas the National Lampoon's movies are they're a little bit more specific in terms of the audience, so I can see how it wouldn't be for everybody. And conversely, I can see why people would like the movie. It's just for me, it was like, it's not like I hated it. It's just like, right. to me, to me, how I, I'm looking at this is would I choose to watch this movie again. Yeah. It's a movie that you saw that like, yeah, you, know, you don't hate yourself for watching. But right. At the same time, maybe you're not going to watch it again. I, you know, like I, it's like a family tradition for me and my dad. We watch it every year. So I probably like, I watch it every Christmas and a half for like, you know, 20 years. So I've probably seen it 20, 25 times. Um, and I will continue to watch it every year but i i get it Mm -hmm. okay so let's dig on this christmas movie thing um so justin you said your top three were uh home alone christmas vacation and a christmas story a christmas story remind me in that particular order and again if i could have a top four i would have die hard in there so a christmas story which movie was that 
I, Christmas Story is an old movie set in like, I can't remember when it was made, but it's set in like the 40s or the 50s, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, but I think it was the 40s or the 50s, probably the 50s. Um, uh, and like the the sort of the famous quote from A Christmas Story is uh, he, the kid wants a, a BB gun for Christmas. God, okay, I know what movie this is now. Isn't this the one where he has the lampshade, but it's just yeah, the, the leg, the a leg lamp. And it's a major award. He wins it from like some something or other, some sweepstakes, and he keeps calling it a major award. And that like the lamp shows up in this box and it says fragile on it. And he goes, ah, fragile must be Italian. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, uh, yeah, I have seen that movie one time and I d- disliked it intensely. So I, oh man, it's so good. Do you hate Christmas? No. Yeah, um, you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> no okay no this is a good segue so you you like christmas vacation wasn't for you you dislike a christmas story intensely that's that's at the time blowing to me so okay let's hear it what are your favorite christmas movies i knew you were gonna ask that question i've been thinking about it um i'm gonna have to go with the movies that my family typically watched because i don't i because i guess hard, i don't know if i really have favorite ones i'll just go with the ones that we watched a lot and okay. i still watch so that Fair would enough. be uh white christmas mm-hmm it's a wonderful life and home alone. Okay. Up until you said home alone, I was like, I had you pegged. I was like, okay, well, he doesn't like, he's not super into a Christmas story or, um, especially Christmas vacation because he's more of a classics guy. Um, then you said home alone, but I guess, you know, home alone is like, you know, a lot, a little bit more. It's every kid's dream. It's every kid's dream. Yeah. You probably watched it when you were a kid. So, so yeah. Yeah. So Anyway, okay, so um, and then Die Hard, you said would bring would come in at four. So, yeah. like, I like the argument, like I like that people make the argument that it's a Christmas movie. But like, I'm gonna go. I, I've never been able to pick a side, but I'll pick a side for the sake of this discussion and say it's not a Christmas movie. Okay, well you're wrong. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, let's just be clear: the whole movie is centered around these people are there for a Christmas party, and but that's a thematic element, not the focus of the movie. It is a Christmas movie. They're there for a Christmas party, and he they're they're captured. And John McClane, hero of everywhere, no doubt, is, it. is trying to, um, you know, rescue these people from these terrorists who are just trying to steal some unsecured bearer bonds. But it all <laughs> revolves around a Christmas party. Therefore, it is a Christmas movie. Yes, I, alone revolves, you know, around a home invasion, right? Yeah, but it takes place on Christmas. Exactly. Home Alone and Home Alone. There's very clearly strong, much very like strong Christmas themes. Like it's about family. It's about. It's, like <laughs> it's about having the family together for Christmas. It's about you know Kevin has been left home alone with his family. Went on Christmas vacation. And he was at he was at odds with his family before, and then they come back, and now he's you know you reconciled on some level. So you're saying Die Hard has these same elements. Yeah, survival. The same elements, but they have the sort of the fundamental undertone of, you know, like it is the Christmas season, right? Like people are wearing Christmas gear. People are talking about Christmas throughout the movie. Like it's the Christmas season. Therefore, it is a Christmas movie. (laughs) The more you think about it, the more similar those movies are because they both involve the protagonist running around with traps Trying to stop criminals. Trying to stop criminals. That's, uh, you know, a little bit more. Uh, basically, they're basically the same. You're movie. saying John McClane is a lethal uh, Kevin McAllister. That's yeah. what Kevin McAllister grew up to be. Kevin McAllister would be John McClane if he had been 30 years older. There you go. I mean, it's a strong argument. I'll, I don't know if it convinces me, but it's a strong argument. This is like, I mean, we could get into like, you know, this is like almost as classic of a debate as you know is a hot dog a sandwich but no know, i'm that, this that, is where i leave <laughs> that, is, that is that is its own episode probably. yeah we might come back to that one okay good christmas movie t- ranking talk boys um yeah let's talk about next time what are we doing next time yeah so okay here's what's going to happen next time we have so uh, as we've stated multiple times before we all play destiny 2 and what's happening this year well they're dropping witch the queen. next down next dlc which is witch queen okay Next next time, which I'm hoping is going to be next week, but we'll have to see. Next time, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about what we're looking forward to in this um, content drop. 
and also our build up to um, the day one raid, which we're all three doing along with some other members of our clan. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. Really excited for this uh, this new content. Like we haven't had new content in like on this scale, we haven't had new content like this in a while. So it's going to be a year. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Yep, I'm excited. We're going to talk about, you know. Sabathun probably thinks uh, Die Hard Christmas film. No. That's my response. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, look, she's proven that she's pretty smart. And so I'll bet she does think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, all right. All right, guys. So well, I think that's all we got for, yep. for this one. Let's um, get out of here. We'll catch you guys next week. Adios, everybody. Or at Merry some point Christmas. in the future. Holly and Jolly. And a happy new year. <laughs>